Hi, and welcome to the Renew Ministries podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to us today, and we pray that you are blessed by this message by Pastor Pam Otten. So tonight we are um, continuing the series Building God's Kingdom on Ezra and Nehemiah that our church plant is doing uh, this summer, and we are on uh, Nehemiah 8. So I'm going to read that tonight. Um, I just feel like I need to make a little disclaimer that there's a lot of names in here. I did not take Hebrew. So, so I'm just going to power on through those names, and, and uh, they may be right and they may not. We're, I'm not going to worry about it. So, but I just felt like I needed to say that for whatever reason. Anyway, okay, so this chapter starts out with Ezra reads the law. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right hand stood Matthiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah. And on his left were Padiah, Michelle, Malkijah, Hashum, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. You get my point. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabatha, Thai, Hodiah, Messiah, Halida, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanan, and Peliah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. On the second day of the month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered around Ezra the teacher to give attention to the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, 
that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees, and from myrtles, palm, and shade trees to make temporary shelters, as it is written. So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on their own roofs, in their courtyards, in the courts of the house of God, and in the square by the water gate, and the one by, and the one by the gate of Ephraim. The whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. From the days of Joshua son of Nun until that day, the Israel had not... Israelites had not celebrated it like this, and their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the festival for seven days, and on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I titled the sermon tonight, Choose Joy. And I'm sure you already picked up on it, on the verse, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So we're going to be talking about joy tonight, and we're going to be uh, explaining what the joy of the Lord is your strength means, and what it, means for, what it meant for the Israelites, and what it means for you. So I'll ask you, have you ever been around an important person whose joy was just contagious? A person who not only was very joyful, but loved you and told you that they loved you. Have you ever been around someone who convinced you that they loved you unconditionally? And they showed it by the way they cared for you, showed interest in you, and helped you just plain enjoy life. Now I'm not talking about your spouse here, I'm not necessarily talking about an immediate family member. Maybe this important person was a teacher that you had in grade school or high school or college. Maybe it was a favorite grandparent or an aunt or an uncle. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher that really impacted you. Maybe it was a close family friend. Maybe it was a pastor. Whoever it may have been to you, and I'm hoping that something, someone is coming to your mind, and probably multiple people, being around that person probably was pretty much fun all the time. They taught you by example that the joy of the person in charge of an activity is a lot more important than the activity itself. They showed you that enthusiasm and joy of those that are doing the teaching could make the most boring activity fun and maybe even exciting. Their joy was infectious and contagious. For me, when I was writing this, I was thinking about, um, I was thinking there, there are some pastors that, that I could name, but actually I was thinking even when I was younger, the very first person that really um, that I remember truly impacting my life in that way um, was my crazy first piano teacher. And she was eccentric and no longer alive, so, so I can, you know. But anyway, she, 
At age six, my mother, I started plunking out tunes on the piano and as I heard them. And so my mother took me to uh, this piano teacher and said, do you think she's ready for lessons? And, and I, she had me play a couple of things for her and she said, and, and the woman literally prophesied over me and said, um, you have an amazing musical talent and God is really gonna use this in, in, in future years. So those kinds of things, even though I was so young, it was so impacting to me, I'll never forget it. And, and so I'm sure there are people in your lives as well, and probably multiple people over the years, if you are more um, on the older side of things, that, that you can recall really made a difference for you, and they were just joyful and fun to be with while they did it. So let me ask you the first question tonight. I'm gonna to ask you a series of questions as we go, and, and the aim of all these questions is, is, maybe this isn't quite the right word, but it's the word that I'm thinking, is that to provoke you into thinking more about being joyful. So do you believe, in light of what I just said, that God loves his people like that? Do you believe that God loves you like that. In Nehemiah 8 that we just read, Ezra read the law, and the people responded to it in humble repentance. God's word formed their world, and God's word promised a new exodus and a return from exile. God's word set the people free from Babylon. Now they are free. They have returned back to Jerusalem, back to their land, the walls of Jerusalem have been built, the temple has been rebuilt, and the people are looking to the correct place. They're looking to God's word to renew them once again. So the people asked Ezra to bring the book. And you remember from our previous study of Ezra that he set out, Ezra was a teacher of the word. He loved to study the word, and he set out to change the world, starting by studying scripture. So look at what the Lord has done. The walls are rebuilt, and the people want God's word. So Ezra has been serving the Lord faithfully in the land for 13 years before Nehemiah ever came into the picture. And so 13 years, think about this, 13 years he has been faithfully teaching the word to the people. And the fruits of Ezra's own preparation and faithful ministry are finally starting to be seen 13 years later. That's a, that's a good lesson for all of us. So last week we talked about perseverance. So here's the second question. In light of 13 years, or maybe longer, are you persevering now so that when the time comes and people ask you about the word of the Lord, are you going to be ready to open God's word to them? Are you going to be ready to teach them? And will you be ready when they ask? When an unbeliever comes to you and says, I've never read the Bible before, where should I start? Or they say, I just don't understand this, can you explain it to me? Are you going to be ready? When the wall is completed near the end of the sixth month, the people who have learned the law from Ezra recognize that the seventh month in the, in the Torah, the scripture that they had, is full of festivals, and the seventh month is about to begin. 
So they want to establish the law of God, meaning obedience to follow these festivals in the, in the new Jerusalem, the new walled city. Now that the people are safe from their enemies, they want God's word to direct their lives. So God's people here clearly value and love God's word. They spent the time, Ezra spent the time to learn how to teach it. They spent the time learning it. So I ask you, do you make opportunities regularly to spend time not only reading scripture, but maybe under the authority of someone else to learn more about scripture? They talked about this high wooden platform that they built that Ezra stood on to teach the people. And when you think about this assembly, if you remember from um, last week, there was 42,000 uh, returns from exile at this point. So this is a huge assembly of people. So they built this high wooden platform. Obviously, they planned for that. And he is speaking from there. And not only that, but it's the scripture says that they had other leaders who had pl were planted throughout the crowd to help explain what Ezra was saying. So it this tells us that they talk about this wooden platform. Obviously, while they were building the walls of the city, someone was already building this platform. And that tells us that they probably had a goal in advance that they would be done with the walls of the city by the seventh month so that they could observe these festivals. And that also may be why the people requested Ezra to bring the scroll, because they wanted to hear the instruction from the Lord about the festivals that they were supposed to observe in the seventh month. So what we see in this passage, because of hearing the law again, is a revival of repentance. Every revival begins, right, number one, with someone praying and with a lot of people repenting. That's every revival in history began that way. So they ha they're having a revival of repentance that came out of a revival of their concern for what was in the law of God. The day of revival comes upon Ezra and Nehemiah, and when the people call to hear the book, when they ask to hear the book, they are already ready. They have a platform, they have assistance, and they have the Levites to help. So Ezra and Nehemiah were good leaders, and they had visioned and planned ahead very well for this. That's a good lesson for us as leaders. So the understanding of the word, once the Israelites understand the word, it provokes them to weep, which is the right response, suggesting repentance. So often when the Holy Spirit works, and and I've known people that have said, if you're not crying, the Holy Spirit isn't working. And that's, you know, often true, often true. And sometimes people are very embarrassed about that, that suddenly they're weeping and they don't know why. And, and the Lord is working on you, and it's okay. It's okay, to, it's okay to weep. It's very interesting that the right response, this was the right response to them understanding the law and feeling, the, feeling their sin, it opened the way for them to have the freedom to rejoice. So their weeping will be postponed until after the festival of booths. 
to the 24th day of the seventh month. And the people will deal with the conviction, they're being convicted of their sin later. And the assigned days for the festival of Booths are upon them, so the people should be rejoicing. So people rejoicing. And if they didn't, if they were not obedient to, to rejoice during this time of the festival, they would just be adding even more sin to the guilt that they were already feeling. They were told not to grieve because the joy of the Lord is your strength. So what does the joy of the Lord mean? I, I know this is a common saying that a lot of us have grown, have grown up with if we're in the church. What does that mean? What does the joy of the Lord is your strength actually mean? And this phrase refers to whose joy? Somebody help me. God's joy. Thank you. So God's good pleasure. So what has God's good pleasure been for the Israelites? It's been, first of all, to move the heart of King Cyrus to allow them to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And it's been to bring Ezra and then Nehemiah back to the land to lead the rebuilding of the wall and the resettling of the people. God's good pleasure is for the people. He has taken delight in restoring them to the land, causing the rebuilding of the temple and completing the project on the walls. So what is their strength? Their strength is God's joy. Obviously, right? It says the joy of the Lord is your strength. But what does that really mean? Their strength is God's joy in his saving them, restoring them, and protecting them. God's joy in them is what protects them. God's joy is their strength. Who is more important than God? Obviously no one. And who could more effectively protect his people than God? So I want you to think now, but let's circle back to where I started when I was talking about the, the person that may have impacted you in your life that was joyful, contagious, they were fun to be with, it was exciting, they impacted your life, you still remember it. So think about the joy that they took in you to take you under their wing, to teach you, to mentor you, to coach you, whatever, whatever, or just be a friend to you when you're in desperate need of one. Think about that. And think about what God is doing here. Think about what God is willing to do for the people of Israel. He's willing to, 42,000 of them, eventually, over the course of, of a few years, he brings back to Jerusalem, which is a pile of rubble, and they rebuild the temple, they rebuild the walls, and now they get to celebrate that the joy of the Lord was their strength. I don't know that we can have a better reason to be joyful than that God loves us and adores us and takes joy in us. So what about their sin? Let's just talk about their sin for just a second. The reading of the word has caused them, they've heard the law, they understand that they've sinned, and it's caused them to feel the guilt of their sin and their weeping. So yes, they're sinful, we are sinful, 
but look at what God has done for them. And how do they know that God is joyful towards them? It's obvious. They're back in their land with their temple and the walls of Jerusalem rebuilt. So the joy of the Lord is powerful. Can you imagine what it would be like to know someone that was taking that kind of mighty joy in you? And maybe you know someone here in this earth that takes that kind of mighty, mighty joy in you. Would you believe me if I told you that God takes almighty, the almighty joy in those who put their faith in Jesus? And how do I know this? He tells us in his word. First of all, in the, in the chapter we read, Nehemiah 8 verse 12 shows the people were made strong by the knowledge of God's joy for them. That's what made them strong. They felt supported, they felt protected, they felt loved and adored. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made to know to them. It even said in our scripture that they had not celebrated like that since the time of Joshua. Now, when you, it wasn't that they hadn't had the festival of booths since the time of Joshua. It was they had not celebrated that joyfully since that time. So that's a long time. One of my favorite verses is Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. As a musician, that just speaks to my heart. That's how much the Lord loves us, that he sings over us. So have you considered thinking about the Israelites now understanding the law of God again? Have you considered what a gift it is that we have a Bible, that we have scripture in writing available to all of us very easily so that we can read it and that we can understand it? What a gift that is to us. How important is that to you? The exiles who returned worshipped according to the Lord's instructions. And we see their devotion to scripture in Nehemiah 8 verse 18. Ezra read out of the book, think about this, he read out of the book of the law of God every day. From the first day to the last during the festival. The Israelites celebrated the festival for seven days, and on the eighth day there was an assembly according to the ordinance. So in God's word, we find God's good pleasure. And God's mighty acts on behalf of his people shows us how much he loves us and how much he takes joy in us. So I ask you, what has God done for you? What has God done for you? Choose joy today. Do you remember what God has done for you to remind yourself how much he loves you? Remind yourself just how much he loves you by the things that he has done for you. Will you receive the promises in God's word? Feel his joy and claim that as your strength. Will you claim his joy as your strength?